All right, everybody. This is a very special stretch show, if you will, because I didn't do a radio show today because it's the 4th of July and I am off. And I was like, you know what? I should do a podcast anyways. And there's something I've been wanting to do and I have not had the time to do it. And that is to just kind of break down my paranormal background. And I know I tell stories here and there while I'm on the stretch show doing the radio show, but I've never really broke it down. And I am a huge uh, paranormal buff. I am into mostly ghosts. Ghosts are my thing. And I believe in ghosts. I've seen a ghost. I've had multiple, multiple uh, ghostly encounters. So I've decided to like, you know what? I love those podcasts. I love listening to it. My friend uh, Jojo, if you know Jojo right over at Kiss FM, a very cool guy that I worked with in San Francisco and then here at iHeart in Los Angeles when we were there. And Jojo is a cool dude. He's got a great podcast called Paranormalish. And I listen to the stories and I'm like, man, I've got better stories than some of these. So I decided to kind of break it down and give you guys the background. Now, if you're wanting to listen to the typical Stretch Show podcast, this is not going to be it because this is going to be uh, part one of what is basically going to be a three-part Stretch Paranormal series, if you will. And it's uh, one, two, and three. Round one is when I became a believer in ghosts, how I came uh, to be the, the weirdo that I am now and what really kicked that off at what point in my life. And it's when I lived in New Jersey and I was 23 years old. And we're going to uh, get into that. Actually, I might have been younger than that. I, I, God, I, yeah, 23. Yeah, I was 23 years old when I lived in New Jersey because I was a DJ in New York. So that's when it all came, you know, to be. And and we're I'm about to get into that. And then part two will be... Um, all of my ghost stories from rehab, which is probably the best one of the three, the best one will be part two of the rehab ghost stories. And I will tell you my personal experiences and I will tell you all of the stuff I heard uh, talking to other employees. And then part three will be the most recent paranormal encounter. And that was the two years I just spent doing overnight security at a college here in Los Angeles. And it's a big university and it's been there a hundred and something years. And when you're on a campus with that kind of history, there's going to be ghosts there. And there's some good ghost stories there. And I will get into that. And that will be part three in this series. Rehab is the craziest stuff and uh, part one, though, is really what got me to this point to be in the ghost dude. I'm I'm a ghost guy. I am totally into the paranormal. And after this experience, this is what I know. And if you've had any type of paranormal experience, you either have the experience and you block it out like, man, I must be going crazy and you blow it off or you come to the realization holy crap, this stuff is real. And then you really get into it and start investigating it and trying to figure it out because here's what I think. Here's my theory on this. My theory is that the human brain doesn't like things it can't explain and it freaks you out. And I'm raised like probably most of you, there's no such thing as ghosts. How many times did you hear that as a kid? 
You tell your parents, you know, there's a ghost. There's no such thing as ghosts. There's no such thing as ghosts. That's only in the movies. There's no such thing as ghosts. And you believe that. And I never, as a little kid, I lived at home with my parents. Sure, little things scared me in the dark, but I never had any weird experience. There was never a ghost around. I never saw a ghost. I never had any, or, you know, maybe as a kid I did, and I didn't know it was a ghost because I know there's a ton of experiences of people that see ghosts that appear to be just like a human, just like like you or me, and then next thing you know, they turn around and that guy's gone. I've had that experience too. That'll be in part three from uh, at the university. But in part one, here is what happened. Here is how I came to be a ghost believer, how I came to be that person. Uh, I moved from, I was a DJ at Pirate Radio with Scott Shannon, and we all got fired in 1991. Pirate got shut down. We went home. We didn't work for a few months. And then Shannon got hired into New York. And then he brought me to New York. At this point, I'm 23 years old. I had never lived outside of uh, California since moving here as a baby. Obviously, I was born in Alabama, but raised in California. And like I said, a very uneventful life as far as paranormal goes. No experiences whatsoever. I like scary movies like anybody else when I was a kid. But I will give you this. My parents never totally closed the door on it. And being from the South, you hear a ton of ghost stories uh, from the South, especially Civil War stories and things like that. And my dad would tell me ghost stories now and then as a kid. And I loved them and they were cool. But they were exactly that. They were ghost stories. And you kind of laugh at them. My dad also, by the way, the only person I personally know that swears he saw a Bigfoot as a child in the woods in Alabama. But that's another story. So I wasn't completely close to the thought of anything paranormal. I heard those stories and they were cool but no experience from the time I was little until I'm 23 years old. Zero paranormal experiences in my life at that point. So I moved to New York, and I end up getting a house in New Jersey in a small town called Lynnhurst, New Jersey. And I move into this town. I'm a DJ on uh, WPLJ in New York, and I am married at the time to my first wife, uh, the great Satan, and... She is in California. I go find the house in New Jersey and then move there. Now, you, when you move with work, they typically, hey, we're going to put you in a hotel for four weeks. you got to find a house in the meantime, and then we'll move your stuff. That's how it used to work in radio when they would hire you from out of state. And that's what I had. So I end up, my hotel runs out. I got this house, but I am now waiting on all of my stuff, all of my furniture to come from New York or to New York from Los Angeles and uh, ex-wife is still in in Los Angeles and she met the movers there and they packed it up and then she stayed with her parents for a while while it took you know a good week week and a half for all of that crap to get to New Jersey and then she was gonna fly out so I'm in this house and I literally went and bought like a toothbrush I had a toothbrush from the hotel so I had my toothbrush but I went and bought like a plate a fork I'm not kidding uh, I bought a mattress and a sheet, and that was it. And that was all I had in the entire house. I had a towel and a washcloth. So I was living in this house with no one in it. Big empty house, two-story house with a full basement in Lyndhurst, New Jersey. And I will never forget this. Hindsight is twenty twenty when you start having these experiences. And I moved into this house, 
And I got a really good deal on it because New York, New Jersey is a very expensive place to live. And I wasn't making a ton of money. I was making a lot more than, than the typical person that's 23 years old makes. But I was not rich at all. And I was worried about finding a place. And I couldn't find a place in the city. And then I found this little place in New Jersey. And I loved it because it had trees and a backyard. And it was next to a park. And I'm thinking, this is awesome. So I go in to sign the paperwork. And there's a real estate agent because I have to sign a lease. And the homeowner is there, and he lived out of state, but he came into town, and I met him. And I will never forget this, because like I said, once you have a paranormal experience, hindsight is twenty twenty. And I'm in the kitchen signing the papers on the lease, and I meet the homeowner. No one says anything to me. Everything seems cool. And they hand me the papers. I hand them the check, and I say... This is such a great deal. I'm so happy to be here. And then I go, I can't believe I'm getting such a good deal in this house. Is it haunted? And this happened. So I say that. Both of them laugh out loud. Ha, 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 ha. And the curtain rod over the curtain in the kitchen literally lifted up and flew across the room and landed in the middle of the floor. And... We all laughed. We all laughed like that was the funniest thing ever. I'm laughing because there's no such thing as ghost. There's no such thing as a haunting. I'm a 23-year-old dude. I'm not afraid of anyone. I'm still a, a big, giant, agile young man. And I am. I have no fear of anything. I, and I'm just like, oh, and we all laugh. Ha, 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 ha. Because I never had a paranormal experience in my life. And that shot off. What a coincidence. That weird curtain just, it literally looked like it lifted off the wall, flew across the room, landed in the middle of the floor at my feet. And we all got a great laugh. So I sign the paper. I get the keys. They leave. And now I'm in this house. And remember, when I'm 23 years old, I am I have long hair. My hair's all the way down to almost my ass. I'm a, a rocker dude. And I'm now in New York, and I'm big-time DJ, got my long hair, and I am cool, and I got this cool-ass house, and I'm stoked. So here I am sitting in the house that night. I'm doing work for my radio show the next day, and it was weird then. I, Like I said, I didn't have anything in the house, not that there was internet or computer or anything like that back then. I literally... When we did show prep, we would get newspapers, read at like five or six newspapers a day, clip out the articles you might want to talk about or magazines, tape them to papers, go in, make copies of them, give them to everybody else on the show, and that's how we did show prep. So I was sitting in my, uh, which is my now my giant living room, and I'm underneath a big glass chandelier, and I've got notes and newspapers all over the floor. I have no furniture, and the lights are on. And I'm sitting there, and I'm writing, and I'm, and I'm coming up with bits and doing radio stuff. All right, so it's still daytime, and I have to. I had told my uh, uh, wife at the time I was going to call her. Now, no cell phones at this point either, or they had cell phones, but you had to be really, really rich to have one. This is 19, uh, 1990, 1991, somewhere in there. Yeah, uh, 91. So I have to walk down the street to a payphone. And I call her and I talk to her. And then when I come back to the house, the chandelier that was in the ceiling above, directly above where I was sitting, has smashed into a million pieces on top of everything I'm working on. I, I look and I'm like, 
Wow. And then to make it even stranger, I clean it all up and I call the the real estate person immediately. And I'm like, hey, the chandelier fell out of the ceiling and just busted all over the floor. And they're like, all right, don't worry about it. You know, it's an old house that something like that could happen. And when I'm cleaning it up, I look up and I re- I see where it it had the bolt in it still. So there's like a like a metal rod that comes down out of the ceiling. The chandelier is wired up through that metal rod, and then there's a threads on the end of the rod with a bolt. Well, the threads were still there, and everything was still there except for the chandelier had fallen completely while I was not in the house and busted into a million pieces. Okay, so then I go in and I go to bed, and I'm laying in the bed, and I hear someone walking up my stairs, like, bump, 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 bump. And I'm like, wow. Someone's in my house and I get up and I walk out there in my underwear because I have to get up at like 2.33 o'clock in the morning to go to work because morning shows start really, really early and I got to drive into the city. The trains don't start running till six. I got to be there. So I got a car and I got to drive. It's a big pain in the butt. So I look around. There's no one in the house. And then every night I would hear that. I would hear footsteps coming up my stairs almost every night. But I'll tell you this grew up in Southern California. I didn't even know what a radiator heater was. We had radiator heaters and the house also had storm windows and storm windows. It's almost like a double window. I don't really understand storm windows, but I know that that house had it and houses on the East coast have storm windows and they're rattly and they make a ton of noise. So it's, I got an old house with radiators and, and, and here's what I'm doing. And this is what all people do. You rationalize everything. The curtain rod that popped off when I said, is this house haunted? That curtain rod should have been a sign because trust me, that was the ghost that lived in that house. And he was telling me, yes, this house is haunted. This is my house. And I do not like you long haired hippie freak. So I laugh though, because in my brain, it was like, well, if it popped loose and it's kind of spring loaded, it would have shot across like that. And I rationalized it. Didn't think about it. Footsteps. I rationalized it. It then became the storm windows or the radiator or things like that. It just sounded like someone was walking in the house. So I have a million experiences like that. My wife moves in. She's now there. All the furniture is there. And she would say stuff too, like, God, it sounds like someone's walking up the stairs. And we would laugh because it really did. It sounded like someone was walking up the stairs uh, up towards where our bedroom was. And, and the way this house was situated, it had the full basement, the washer and dryer were down there, the heater was down there, and then the uh, middle floor's living room, dining room, uh, kitchen, and it had like a breakfast nook area with all glass windows that looked out over the park. And then the top floor were two bedrooms and the one bathroom. And that was it. Also had an attic, but fully, uh, not a fixed attic, but it had a floor. You could There was a bed up there too when I went up there. So somebody had slept up there at some point. But so there we are. This is the house. I'm, I've explained everything that happens. Now, the next time something happened, when I finally started to think, all right, something's up in this house, is I had moved in there with my wife, and she brought her cat. My wife had a cat, and that cat hated my gut. She had the cat way before I even started dating her, and then I dated her, then we got married, and then I lived with the cat, and the cat would 
not it didn't want anything to do with me and I ever tried to pet it it would scratch me or bite me it it just didn't like me it was a girl cat it was her cat and it didn't like me so I'm like whatever and I didn't mess with it she fed it she took care of it whatever so it liked to sleep on the stairs in fact one time very funny I came walking down the stairs and it would sleep on the stairs and I stepped on that cat and a cat is slippery like a banana peel on carpet when you step on it with a lot of weight. And it shot it shot the cat out in front of me, and I fell on my ass and then slid down the stairs. And it stayed about halfway up the stairs, and that was just its spot. That's where it loved to sleep. It loved being on the stairs. So one day, it's uh, I never forget this day. I'm in the house, and I'm there with my wife, and we're in our bedroom, and we're talking. And the cat is on the stairs, and we hear footsteps coming up the stairs. And then we hear our cat go and start hissing. And the footsteps are still coming up the stairs. Remember, the cat likes to sleep halfway up the stairs. And then the cat comes running into the bedroom. I'm sitting on the bed. It's a really big master bedroom. And I'm sitting on the edge of the bed. Uh, my wife is on the other side of the room uh, by the closet, and she's standing furthest away from the door. I'm closest to the door. The cat comes running in, and it runs to me, and it gets up against me as close as it can get by my feet. My feet are on the floor, and I'm sitting on the bed. And what's funny is, as that cat comes running up the stairs, the cat's hair is up and it's looking behind it at something and the footsteps are continuing up the stairs, clearly footsteps. And we heard those a million times up until this point, but we're hearing the boom, 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 boom. And the cat is now like freaked out and it it's literally up against me like help me is what it, what it seems like. And this cat is leaning against me, leaning against me. And my wife and I had been talking and we both stopped talking and we were just watching. No one was saying a word. The footsteps come to the top of the stairs and there's nothing there. There's no more footsteps. But now the cat is tracking something in the room. And remember, it's close against my foot on the ground. And then the cat jumps straight up into the air like a Halloween cat. The back is arched, the hair is up, the tail's straight up, and but the, when they get mad, the tail's whipping, and it jumps into my lap. This is a cat that hates me, but it is coming to me to protect it, and I don't know what it needs protecting from, and it's looking. Then the cat starts hissing and scratching, so whatever came into the room had apparently come over and tried to pet the cat, and the cat started scratching and hissing and, and like howling like it was in a fight. My wife and I are just looking at each other. I'm in awe this cat's in my lap, but it's freaking out and I don't want to touch it and get scratched. And I'm sitting there and the cat is watching something. And then as much as uh, it was freaked out, it, it turns its head and whatever it was watching is now walking back towards the door. We can't hear anything. Its hair goes down. The cat looks at me, jumps out of my lap, dab back down onto the ground. And, and when cats are mad, their, their tail keeps whip, 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 whip. Its tail keeps whipping, and it's looking out the door at something we never saw. At that point, at that point, I said to, to my wife, I'm like, I think this house is haunted. 
And she said, yeah, that was weird. Okay, so we still hadn't seen anything. We had heard a lot of stuff. And then that's when you start backtracking all of the experiences. That's when, because your brain wants to rationalize everything. So we start looking back. Oh, well, the curtain rod. Well, the chandelier that broke on the floor. Well, the million times I heard someone walking up the stairs. All of that was probably a ghost. Like, and then we're like, yeah, okay. Now I'm not telling anyone at work and I'm not damn sure not going on the radio in New York and being like, hey, I have a ghost in my house. It's 1991 and there's no ghost shows on television. No one's talking about ghosts. And if you're a ghost guy, you're a nut job. I do tell uh, my best friend, Joey, who is my radio partner there, who I worked with every day uh, and and is my best friend, uh, Joey B. I told Joey and he immediately said, you're an idiot. There's no such thing as ghost, whatever, whatever. And I'm like, all right, fine. Okay, so now let's fast forward to the next experience. And this is the only experience I've had in my life up till now this powerful of an experience. So it is now a Saturday morning because I worked Monday through Friday, worked the morning show. I'm home as the sun is coming up. It's almost dusk. And remember, 6 or 7 o'clock in the morning is sleeping into me when I'm a guy that gets up at like 2, 33 o'clock in the morning every day to go to work. So I'm laying in bed. It's a Saturday morning. The sun, you can tell, is just coming up, so it's kind of dusk outside or dawn outside. And I'm sitting there. My wife is awake, and we hear the footsteps coming up the stairs. And boom, 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 boom. And we both are we're talking to each other at this point already, and we stop talking, and both of us turn and look to the door, and there was a dude. And he came walking up the stairs and he turned and he walked into our bedroom and then walked over to the foot of our bed and he stared me in the eyes. And what's weird is immediately upon seeing it, I, it was the most terrifying thing that had ever happened to me in my life at this point because I'm seeing a ghost and I can see through this person, and the entire person isn't there. What's weird is, as much as we heard the steps coming up the stairs, there he had no, we couldn't see his legs all the way down. What I'm looking at is like a, a if you were to project an, a movie onto like mist, that's what it looked like. I could clearly see through it, but it was a man. It was like a middle-aged, or more than middle-aged, a little older white man, balding, had a thin mustache. He was wearing a suit, and it's a white guy, and he walks in, and he stares at both of us in the freaking eye. Got stared in the eye by a ghost. And then, to make it even worse, so and as you see him, he looked solid up by the head and the shoulders and the neck, and became more faint the further down you got. So you could see his legs, but then it sort of just turned into a mist as it got down to where his his legs and, and feet were. But we're looking at this dude, and he's looking at us. No one says anything. He doesn't say anything. And he effing disappears. Just gone. I don't say anything. In my head, I'm freaked out. I've never been that scared in my life. I'm terrified. Um, uh, to uh, her credit, the ex-wife doesn't scream or yell or anything. 
she's grabbed onto my arm and is holding my arm and is looking and no, and it felt like five or 10 minutes go by and no one had said a word. And then finally, I remember saying to her, did you freaking see that? And she said, yeah. And then I said, let's get the F out of here. And we jumped up and threw our clothes on and grabbed the car keys and ran out of the house. And we did not come back to that house till late that night, which, by the way, probably wasn't a great idea. And we ran for the effing hills is what we did. And after that, there were multiple experiences. I never saw it again. I heard it walking up the stairs uh, many, many times after that, but I never saw that ghost again in that house. And we only lived there a little over a year. Uh, once it, the uh, the ex-wife ended up getting pregnant with my son, and then I the radio station turned to like Hot AC, which is like a Coast 103. I'm this long-haired rocker dude. It was not working for me. I end up quitting, and we come back to California so that we can be with our family and have the the baby in uh, L.A. So we packed up and left. I never got a word from the landlord of anything there. He never acknowledged it when I clearly asked, is this house haunted? And trust me, if he lived in that house, he knows that house is haunted because that house was very haunted. But here's where it's funny. After that happened and I accepted, okay, this is real. Just like if you saw a UFO, you're like, there's no such thing as UFOs. They're all, you know, meteors or this or that. And if you clearly saw a UFO that you could not explain, and it wasn't just a flashing light in the sky, something where you're like, that's a, for all practical purposes, a flying saucer or a spaceship. The amount of rationalization in your head, because like I said, what's the first thing you think? Oh, that's a, it's Starlink. Oh, that's a, a satellite. Oh, that's a, a military thing. It, you you rationalize, 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 rationalize. And you do the same thing with ghosts because your brain can't really comprehend what it doesn't know. You're looking at something you've never seen, something you've always been told isn't real, and it's looking you in the eye. And so you're, you're, your brain's just like, this. Uh, what is it? And then I, what it is is a ghost. It was an effing ghost in my house. And after that, it started a messing with my ex-wife, which shows you that even the ghost knew she was a demon because it never messed with me again. But after that, I also gave it the utmost respect in the world because I always had a feeling every time I was in that basement that something was watching me and I have a feeling it hung out in the basement and I, before I ever went downstairs, and sometimes you'd hear noises down there or whatever, and we'd be up watching TV, and I would say, I always gave it the respect. I would come home and I would say, hey, I'm here. Don't pop up and scare the crap out of me. I'm coming downstairs to do the laundry. And I would always address it, and I would always acknowledge it. And what I think is it wanted to be acknowledged. It wanted you to know this is my house. I'm here. And I gave it that respect, and I talked to it at that point. And then uh, ex-wife got literally terrorized by the ghost after that point. What happened with her is after we saw it, she was freaked out for a while. And I was working on uh, Saturday nights. I would go in and do a show from like midnight till 6 a.m. So I was home on Saturday day and home on Sunday day. But I did a, a weekend overnight show 
on top of the morning show that I did every day. So she got to the point where she wouldn't be home alone, and so she would come to work and just sleep in the jock lounge on a couch while I was doing my radio show because she was so afraid, and it was fine. No one was there. And then it started, like, popping up behind her in the bathroom mirror. She would freak out and call me and, like, oh, my God, the freaking thing just popped up behind me. She said she got out of the shower. She was in the bathroom, like, you know, getting ready and looked in the mirror, and it was standing behind her. Another day that really, really I got her good is it was a – I remember that day because uh, I had gone to work, and it was super foggy, really, really foggy. And the front door of that house was a big wooden door, but it had a diamond-shaped window, clear window right in the middle – Right about head level for a normal sized person. I had to bit you know look down to look out of it because I'm so tall. But it had a window there. So if someone's on your porch, you could clearly see that person on your porch through this very clear window. It wasn't privacy glass or anything. It was a clear diamond shaped window in the middle of this door. And so it, I remember that day being really, really foggy. And uh the ex-wife was walking downstairs and she said when she passed the front door that she noticed the thing was like white like what is and she said she's like what is happening because it was so foggy it was gnarly like you couldn't see your hand in front of your face if you were outside it was so foggy and it was dark outside and foggy so with the lights on in the house you couldn't see out the window the only thing you could see out the window was the reflection of the house So she's walking by the window, and she said she sees a guy standing on our porch. And she stops, and she looks, and she's like, why is it white? And she doesn't realize, because she hadn't looked outside yet. She didn't know that it was fogged in. So she's looking out the window, and she sees the man there, and she realizes it's that man that we saw in our bedroom, only he's not standing on the porch. He's standing behind her, and the reflection of everything in the room behind her is what she sees in the window because it was so foggy and dark outside that the light in the house was reflecting back inside. And at that point, she was done. She literally, at that point, uh, uh, she was pregnant, ended up going back, like went back home and stayed at home for a month and a half. And it was just me and that psychotic cat in the house for about a month and a half. And then Finally, she came back once I had quit, and we were packing up and moving back to L.A. She came back, but I was alone for a long time in the house. And and I would hear it. It would walk up and down those damn stairs all the freaking time. I never found out who it was. I never got a name for it. The, the landlord, the owner of the property, never fessed up to me that it was haunted. The uh, real estate person, I'm sure, didn't know because, trust me, that landlord did not tell them, hey, by the way, there's a ghost in that house. And it was very, very haunted. From that moment on, though, I became uh, fascinated because what do I want? Like any person, I want answers. What happened to me? Why did that happen to me? What is this? This doesn't exist. And I became a big-time paranormal buff at that point, and I really got into ghost and that sort of thing. But that was really what got me going. And then when those TV shows came on, I got into all those, and I love all that stuff. And I was just open because I now know that that stuff is real. I know that that stuff exists. And that is everything that happened at that house in New Jersey that really, really put me onto this path of 
you know, and, and by the way, now I look back and I'm like, okay, if ghosts are real, UFOs are probably real. I'm not close-minded to Bigfoot now. Everything was a joke before. And, and uh, here was one other great ghost story I almost forgot. So Joey, I told you my best friend, lived the next town over in New Jersey. And I kept telling him, Joey, my house is haunted as hell, dude. And we'd go out drinking after work. And then my, my wife was in Los Angeles more than she was in New Jersey because she was terrified of the house. And she was now pregnant. And I, I am telling Joey, like, Joey, the house is haunted. And he would laugh at me and never to this day. My best friend, to this day, does not believe me, doesn't think the house is haunted, thinks I was full of crap, that I was seeing stuff or talking smack or I was drunk or whatever it was. And one day, he was over and we were watching football at my house and we're sitting there drinking beers, watching football. And then Joey says, I go to the bathroom. Well, remember, the bathroom's upstairs where the bedrooms are, the only one bathroom in the house. And what was weird, the house was real old and the light switch to the bathroom was outside of the bathroom. It wasn't inside. So you had to turn the light switch on, then go shut the door, and then go in and go to the bathroom. And then when you came out, you shut the light switch outside. There was no light switch for the bathroom in the bathroom. It was a weird setup, but that's how it was. So I uh, go into the kitchen to get something to eat or whatever. Joey goes upstairs to go to the bathroom. The TV's on, and I hear yelling coming from upstairs in my house. I hear yelling and yelling. And I hear, F you, F you. I know that's you, F you, knock it off, F you. So I come walking up the stairs. When I get to the top of the stairs, the door flies open and Joey pops out and goes, very funny, I knew that was you, Uh, you didn't scare me. And I'm like, Joey, I don't know what you're talking about, I was in the kitchen, I heard you yelling and I came up here. To this day, Joey thinks I was outside. He said, you were shaking the door and you were flashing the lights. And I was like, Joey, I was in the freaking kitchen. I heard you yelling, and I walked up there. He still does not believe that I wasn't messing with him. And by the way, I'm the kind of guy that would mess with you. I see where you would think that. But I wasn't. I was in the kitchen. I know what happened. I also saw the ghost and looked at the ghost and lived with the ghost and fully was accepting that there was a ghost in that house. But that one with Joey, it was it didn't like Joey either. But then again, we were talking about it, and Joey was laughing about it and, and failing to realize that that ghost was real and that was his house and he was there. I always gave him respect, and I always talked to him, and he never messed with me after that one time of walking in and staring at me in the bedroom. Never again did he give me a problem. But uh, he didn't like Joey, and he damn sure did not like the ex-wife, and, and that is what brought me over to the paranormal side. That's what made me a big-time believer and wannabe investigator of paranormal. And to this day, I will seek stuff out. The other day, I went to the Queen Mary. I got tucked my daughter to go with me, and I went there because I wanted to see some stuff. and went on the haunted tour. Horrible tour. The The haunted tour was god-awful. It was so lame. They, they break you, set you in rooms, and then tell you ghost stories and never show you anything. So I was bummed at that, but I have been to seances i have done so much stuff and i'm a big believer in the paranormal and that is what opened my eyes to to it and then my my brain wanting to know what the hell it is and wanting to rationalize and explain everything has driven me ever since that time from 23 years old to the old ass man that i am now uh, about seeking uh, paranormal and, and finding answers in the paranormal world so that is is what part one of the stretch paranormal experience. Part two, 
Uh, next time I'll do, I might even get it tomorrow. I will tell you some of the stories from rehab, and I have a theory on why re- every rehab that I know of is haunted. I worked at two, both of them were haunted. I have friends that left and went to other rehabs, and they would reach out to me, and we would talk, and they were haunted. Rehabs are haunted, and I have a theory on that. In part two of Paranormal Stretch, we will break down rehabs, haunted, why I think they're haunted, and some of the crazy ghost stories that I have. And boy, I wish I could share some of the 40 to 50 videos I have of paranormal activity from security cameras at rehab but I cannot because I will get sued, but I will break them down with you, and we will get into that in uh, part two of this series of Paranormal Stretch. Thank you for indulging. Hopefully you were not bored and you uh, found some entertainment in this, but if you're into paranormal, I I would imagine it was pretty interesting. If you were not, you were laughing at me like most of my friends do. uh, Jack, one of my best friends, laughs at me about ghosts. Joey, my best friend, laughs at me about ghosts. Um, Apple, the same thing. Most people do not believe when I say you were drunk, you were high, you were there, you were hallucinating, you were dreaming. No one believes. When a ghost looks you in the eye and you're wide awake and you're terrified out of your mind, you come to accept that ghosts are real. And that is my story and part two of this series, Paranormal Stretch. It may come up tomorrow if I can get it. If not, uh, I'll get it as soon as I can in the near future. And this is your Monday podcast because there is no stretch show because of the holiday of the 4th of July weekend. But thank you for indulging me. And uh, part two of Paranormal Stretch will be coming uh, very soon. Thanks for listening to the stretch show here on the Big 49.